Welcome everyone to episode 52 of the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. Thanks for tuning in for a year of episodes now, being number 52. And in celebration, we'd very much appreciate a a nice five-star review or rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That would be much appreciated. And we want to thank everyone who has tuned in for all 52 episodes. Um, It's been, yeah, a really great journey so far. And we're very happy with uh, everyone's support and the the questions that we get on a weekly basis. How do you guys feel about the past year of BDU? It's been great. I've loved it. It's um, I always enjoy hopping on with the boys, and you know, there's I suppose there's some weeks where you're having a busy day, and it's like, oh, okay, we've got to go do the podcast now. But once you get chatting, I always I always enjoy it. It's a lovely way to finish my day of stuff to do on a Wednesday. A gl- glad it feels like a chore to you Lawrence like you know you have to go see us every you know three o'clock on the Wednesday Arvo it's such a big chore but oh, hopefully I'll lighten up your day once you get on here I just see it as work mate it's just stuff <laughs> that needs to get done it pays the bills exactly yeah L- very large chunk of the bills well I don't blame you having to see DY twice in one day like once at the gym and then on zoom as well it depends because apparently Lawrence, when he once shouted me a feed, pretty much put a GPS tracker in my meal. So now he just tries to avoid me at every single gym session. I go in there. I'm like, oh, wow, Lawrence isn't here. He's hiding over the back corner of the leg room, you know, quietly not grunting, you know, not making too much of a ruckus. And then he walks past me on the way out. See you later, mate. He's been here for two hours. I've been there for three. So <laughs> like- <laughs> well, today when I came out of the leg room to walk back upstairs, I actually looked around because I assumed because I got in a little bit earlier than I usually do today, and I looked around to see where you were. And couldn't miss me though. Like I did. Biggest I guy in the joint. I don't know if maybe you were just blended in with some of the hammer strength equipment. You were in the black <laughs> shirt. Yeah, yeah. Just blended in with the the DY pull uh, pullover machine. What's it called? The DY row. The DY row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no um there's not a very good chest supported row there especially like a cable or a weight plate loaded one apart from like a hammer strength so i've kind of created my own one which i was explaining to lawrence today so yeah oh no i'm talking about there's an actual machine called the dy row what row is that it's the low row isn't it the dy well i think it's the dorian yates row it's like a real low row like a plate loaded one yeah like if you look at the hammer strength tag it actually says dy row Mm. yeah yeah, that (laughs) That's mine. He got that off me. I gave yeah, that to him a yeah. while ago. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, there's such a legendary, like the name D Yates is so legendary that Dorian just had to take it in the world of bodybuilding. There's a reason they called him the shadow though. Followed in me footsteps. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. know it was called the DY row though. Yeah, it is. It is. Have the a hammer strength one. Oh, all right. I thought it was called the ISO row. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were also hatching a plan today because the bathroom was getting mopped and I said to DY quick go grab that wet floor sign and just like take it to your car I'm about to pay for our gym memberships for the rest of time <laughs> and, and our new thought, prime machines that and we the new plotting. prime row yeah. yeah we thought maybe we could get our lawyers in there and go look powerhouse south side you get us some prime equipment all of this goes away this knee pain gone in an instant this whiplash and I'm wearing a soft collar, done. <laughs> All it's going to cost you is 20 grand worth of prime equipment. And that's just the handles. 
<laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Or you could just take the gym. Yeah. Seems like fair compensation. Yeah. I was actually thinking this week, uh, this thought tends to go through my head. What else primarily... are you thinking about, Lawrence? Tell me about it. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> um, no. Well, th- this thought tends to go through my head on a Tuesday afternoon when I'm standing in the gym looking across club line at about, you know, 1,500 kids between the ages of 15 and 18, just clogging equipment. And I think to myself, I have to have something at home one day just for this day so I don't have to train here because it's just horrendous. And I, I figured the ultimate investment for a home gym would be like, you know, those corner cable stacks where there's two cable stacks and they're adjustable. You get a couple attachments because I'm actually at the point now where I do like my first three exercises of that upper day. And then I specifically plan the rest of the session so that if I get on a cable, I'm there for the rest of the session. I do like four exercises in a row because you just can't get it on any kit. And you know what? You can get a great, great training session in with just a cable. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I'm the exact same. It's like I program that cable row for like four exercises straight. It's like a rear delt fly and then like a face away curl, a lateral raise variation, and then like a single arm dry. So I feel sorry for anyone that needs that corner stack cables whenever I've got upper body because it's gone for at least half an hour. Oh, mate, I um I don't feel sorry. I, I actually have a little cook stove top that I have <laughs> yeah. with me. I put, a, I put the kettle on, boil a cup of tea. You know, I, I'm setting up camp. I saw you have an intro workout oats there. Oats or rice, I can't remember. But yeah, literally had his little boiler going. Cooking. Yeah. You should just try the microwave like Tierra does. Yeah, yeah, she just keeps that fang on her, that's for sure. She got the heater. Well, yeah, well, she's got the second one now. So like, you know, what's stopping her? Bring her the extension cord, plug it in, put a little hair straightener PowerPoint in the girls' room, run it out to that cable crossover and you're set. Yeah. So did she buy that down in Sydney? Yeah, she did. Apparently, apparently 24-hour Kmart's a common in Sydney. Wow. Yeah, but they're not not over here in Brisbane, at least from my knowledge. So did your accommodation not have one? So she thought no. I got to buy one. Yeah, she just went out and walked a half an hour each way with a with a microwave on the way back and we did get a warning from the hotel room because they said it said it might short circuit the 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 power or whatever, but that doesn't that doesn't kind of ring true to me. But I think just I could just imagine these two plotting just be like we could save 50 bucks a night. <laughs> For this one bedroom studio, this is going to be perfect. They rock up, there's no kitchen at all. Ah, <laughs> shit. Now we're going to spend yeah. that on a microwave. But so, what happens to the microwave now? Where is it? It's in our kitchen because, like, sometimes we want to use the microwave at the same time. Oh, so you brought it home? Yeah, in the suitcase. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but, mate, there's so many issues with this story. I mean, as if Tierra is going to put up with that lower back fatigue after carrying a microwave <laughs> for like three kilometers. You've got to think these things through, Tierra. Come on now. Her recovery would be in the toilet this week. Yeah. I just want to know what the airport, the airport like security are looking at, like as you cut through this big ass micro microwave and like your suitcase. Is that checked luggage? Yeah. Please tell me it was carry on. Your stakes is we'll take this microwave on the top. <laughs> yeah, fortunately it was okay. And all right, this I've got another question, Jack, because I can't help but think to <laughs> a myself. lot of questions. Oh, dude, I'm, like, I constantly have questions about this. So I understand if you had pre-purchased your food, then you think, okay, well, we've got this food. We've mm. already bought it. Let's take this down to Sydney. Yeah. But you and Tierra, I would describe as being fairly well-organized. 
So would you not just adapt the shopping trip and then go, okay, we're just going to buy this stuff down in Sydney so that you don't have to pack it all into a suitcase? Well, that's a great question, Lawrence. And thank you. Us being organized, like we have planned out all the organization and the cost. So I I factored in my food so that I didn't need a microwave. I'm just putting that out there. That, wow. that was going to be my next question. He's miles in front of everyone. Now, did, did you actually have planned that there was going to be a microwave there or did you at least no, guess? No, I planned that there wasn't going to be. That's why I had couscous and I had oats. I was just planning to use boiling water with my oats. And yeah, it would have been easy. But Tierra decided that she needed a microwave. All right, but you're also skirting around the question. Could you not have bought food down there? No, because it would have cost extra money to then Uber to the Woolworths and then Uber to the Novotel because like it's all in one complex. Because um, I know you haven't been to West HQ. So the it's literally you walk out of the Novotel. <laughs> the assumption on him. Look at him, Lawrence. Dude, he just knows. It's probably like everyone's driving Teslas down there. And, yeah. yeah. They're probably driving themselves. Like you didn't even have people in the front seat anymore. Well, you don't need to drive at all because it's it's a five second walk from the Novotel to the to the venue. Okay. Yeah. So that was factored in. That was the main reason. Yes. Okay. Because I know, well, yeah, we did we did least, like some people. That, that makes sense. Thank you. I'm glad we cleared that up. Could you well, have not like figured out like the closest Woolworths or Coles and then had them deliver it to the actual like place that you were staying at for like the ten dollars? Because like oh, no, I've done it once or twice, you know, here where you just can't mm. be stuffed, get, go on the woolies and you, or you forgot on the way home and then you just bring it to the door. It could have been really well organized. But then think of all the plastic bags you would have wasted by delivering. They, they only do paper bags now. No, that's well, false. Think of all the trees you would have had to cut down. Mm. Do mm. you, surely you do the um, the de- delivery DIY, a busy online coach like yourself, mate. Time <laughs> money. I normally actually go on the way home from gym on like a Tuesday. You can't resist Woolworths, Maruka. It's yeah. A, a they, got that new, they got like that little sushi making guy in there as well. He's making fresh sushi every day. And, you know, I've got to go in there and have a look at it. Make sure it's uh, above food standards. Well, so I have to taste it too. He like, goes to the barber right next door as well. <laughs> next I how much I trust him. go there for your clean, cheap meals. Sushi is <laughs> a very clean, cheap meal, I'm, I'm told. So is a zinger. As we went over last time, elegant in design, round, oh. circular, crispy outside, perfect buns. Mouthfeel, 10 out of 10. Vegetables, like mm. heaps of them. Well, we haven't addressed why our DC isn't here. I was thinking that before we've gone. It's interesting on. how this has coincided with like the, the renewed year on the, on the podcast. Oh, well, all right, Jack. I see you walking me into this. So as with any organization, sporting teams, you know, veterans in the NBA often get signed to one-year contracts at a time, mainly because their bodies are breaking down, their minds is not as sharp as they once were. So you think, okay, we'll sign this guy for a year, pay him the veteran minimum and see if we can sign him on if he's still offering any anything of value. So yeah, unfortunately, um, DC was not extended. His contract will not be getting extended um, just because he's aging out. You know, he's he's at that age where it's probably just best to, to retire him. And Jack, I'm going to give you now the reins of telling him who we've replaced him with. Well, we're actually having a, a bit of a competition, I think. Mm-hmm. So if, if you are willing to submit to the interview pro- process, then yeah, it'll be on a Zoom call with myself, uh, DY and Lawrence. And yeah, if you, if you pass the test, then 
we'll consider you for a new uh, role on the BDU podcast. And there's going to be thousands of applicants. So just be aware, it might take us a few business days to get back to you though. And what kind of tests are they expecting to go through? Well, the hack squad off, is it? Well, I think there's obviously it's going to be multimodal. There'll be a cooking element. There'll be a comedy element. The one I'm probably going to scrutinize the hardest is that we're going to be asking everyone to do an iliac pull down and the person who's closest to the optimal 63 degrees. Well, obviously with no protractors, I'll have the protractor and then whoever's closest, that'll be a, it'll be like winning an event. It's like strongman. You know, there's like 10 events and whoever places the best over all of them will get the the elusive fourth spot on BDU. I mean, you don't have to have an overall title or a pro card, but it certainly doesn't hurt. That's for sure. Mm. Actually, it'd be preferable to... We had someone with a pro card. So yeah, yeah. that would be nice. Anyway, getting into some questions. And I, whoever has the application there, by the way, they can just send that to Jack at... Um, what is it? Bodybuildingdietitians.com.au. Sure, yeah, definitely add the .au portion on. That'll that'll get you through to me. Anyway, moving on to these questions. So I think we'll we might address uh nationals when our when we get our new host, because I'm assuming that the new host would have been well versed in the recent nationals for season A. So okay, this, starting with question number one, this one says, What's the one best thing about bodybuilding in your own opinion? Do I'll throw this over to you? One best thing about bodybuilding. Hmm. Well, there's one best thing probably be training because I love training but like I think it's like a mix between all of the things that I really do enjoy the most like training hard nutrition um Zingerberg is obviously fit within that nutritional protocol so that is a bare minimum the one best thing about bodybuilding I know I, I think it's just breaks off the, like you know I did love training so much so then that followed over into that sport and that was the way that I wanted to go instead of like powerlifting crossfit or anything like that just branches off something that i enjoy i don't really uh one best thing about bodybuilding definitely wouldn't be getting into the trunks all tanned up would it lawrence oh well there goes my answer but <laughs> um no i think yeah it probably depends like how you define like what is bodybuilding is it like competing or is it just the the day-to-day -day processes because if it's more like the you know the off-season stuff and just like your daily routine and for sure like the the training is awesome like I, I love going to the gym every day but if it's around like the best part of competing and being involved like within the I guess ICN or natural bodybuilding circles without trying to be you know too cheesy like it, it definitely would be the people that I've had the opportunity to meet like I've met some extremely awesome people and made some really good friends from bodybuilding and you know, it's such a small niche that I am quite certain I wouldn't have met these people, probably wouldn't have crossed paths with them anywhere else in life, except for bodybuilding. So I think that's what keeps people coming back. And you see people at shows that, you know, maybe they haven't competed in five years, maybe they don't want to even compete anymore, but they're still there supporting, hanging out because it's it's just such a close community. So yeah, the people for sure is is the thing I like about it the most. Yeah, I'd have to say the same thing, just being part of a sport which is full of like-minded individuals. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't particularly enjoy high school was just because I was very different from a lot of the other guys there. And being able to be part of a community with uh, 
people who are passionate about the same thing certainly is uh, is very welcoming. Um, and also, of course, the training as well. That's certainly what attracted uh, me to bodybuilding in the in the first place. So this next question says, techniques to mitigate strength slash muscle loss during a prep. Lawrence, what are your top tips? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think it's anything revolutionary. I think that overall, there's probably a mental component to it. You know, you're going into sessions just not feeling as lively or or as energetic. So I certainly think there's days where, you know, maybe physically you could move that load. It's just you're feeling a bit flat and a bit tired so that you're, you're just not really up for it from a neural perspective. But I think that definitely, you know, like the first... 15 weeks or so of prep you should be still trying to progress your logbook you should be still trying to beat your numbers and I don't think there's any reason why you can't I think there's even certain movements that probably feel better at at a slightly lighter body weight like a a squat or a hinge where you know you don't have the um bubblegut bonanza anyone remember that Louis Marco shout out what a guy um what happened to him dude I don't know he's still around he's still around is he still around what yeah proper that is proper <laughs> yeah yeah wasn't he south african or something oh i don't know about oh, that i think it was one of the european countries right exactly yeah no his instagram account always delivers he's always ripping into people talking smack i think he might be on private now from my knowledge yeah he is but me and him are best mates like he's got me in there <laughs> you don't even go to the requests you just in his in his primaries <laughs> yeah yeah. So look, I think, yeah, you always want to, I've completely derailed my, my train of thought. What right, was I, about? I can, I can, uh, yeah, we can just take out. over though. Yeah. yeah. No worries boys. Thanks for having me this week. <laughs> well, I think we can split this up into like different areas so we can look at training. We can look at nutrition as well and break nutrition down into rate of loss too. So obviously we don't want to be uh, losing at a drastic rate. So we don't want to lose at more than 1% of your body weight for extended periods in prep. And particularly, I would say, once you start getting below 10% body fat, roughly, you probably want to reduce that to half a percent of your body weight per per week. Otherwise, you'll certainly be risking tissue loss and, and strength loss as well. And nutritionally, pretty simple there, like just ensuring that you're having adequate protein and adequate quality of protein, distribution of protein, et cetera. But uh, DY, why don't you talk about the, a bit more about the training side of things? Uh, well, I wrote down a list while, while Lawrence was chatting away. But I've, got, I've got a few things. One, which would be the meal timing and the carbohydrate tra- timing around like actual training. You could also go into like the protein distribution as well there. Another one, which would be like logging your lifts, like, you know, ensuring that you're tracking your lifts and you're not winging it. One day you feel slightly weaker than the other. And the next thing you know, you're 10 kilos down on each side on dumbbell chest press just because you felt weaker. Like, you know, logging your lifts, tracking your performance. Um, don't change too much as well. Don't be going one week doing a barbell back squat, one week doing a hack squat, one week doing a pendulum. Keep it standard. So that way it's easy to log your lifts. You can see how your performance is tracking. Once you like add in a bunch of different stuff, it can, I guess, skew your view on how everything's going. And you could probably lose a little bit of like that training performance, which may correlate to losing a little bit of mass as well. Um, Training intensity, keep training intensity high. Don't just because you feel tired, drop off that training intensity. Um, And another one, which would be like set per muscle group that you're training as well. When you're in the deficit, 
put all your sets to ma- like maintenance. Don't go crazy high on all your sets where you're like maybe doing 20, 30 sets for a muscle group because you're not going to be able to recover, especially in like a prolonged deficit. And, you know, don't go too low on the sets. Obviously, you need a certain response to be able to keep your muscle there. If you go, hey, I'm only going to do one set of squats this week because I'm fucking tired, chances are you're probably going to lose some quad mass um, over a prolonged period of time as well. So mm. did, did I just hit all the nails on the head or did I miss one? Unbelievably good. Very good. Very good. I, I would want to add a, a point that has been more relevant to me this mini cunt. Um, in relation to the training and that's I think some people are maybe a bit too gung-ho when it comes to like saying oh you're in a deficit you should still be able to progress or at least maintain but especially in a comp prep there is inevitably going to be a point for a movement where you where you're probably going to get more out of decreasing the load slightly rather than risking performance breakdown um, or maybe you already have uh, had a decrement in in uh, technique and you're no longer like stressing the target tissue as much as you could. So sometimes it's better to take that low drop, a very conservative low drop. It might only be two and a half kilos and execute the movement more efficiently and effectively so that you get more stimulus. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the the big one for me is like pressing. And I think a lot of people report that, like even just getting that first like three or four kilos off, even though you might still be a fair whack off stage weight, like, you just immediately lose that ability to press as much. I know I do. So I think, it, yeah, the next couple of weeks sort of about being honest of like, okay, am I really compromising my execution just to be able to log that I've maintained reps when in actuality, I'm just sort of like willing it up using a lot of my shoulders and a lot of my triceps. I'm not actually feeling it in my chest. Cause if that's the case, then yeah, you're right. I'm probably getting less out of that movement um, because you do need to sort of switch that mindset a little bit in prep where it's like, like there was a reason why when I wrote out my goals for this year, normally I'll include like a lift that I want to get to a certain level. Didn't do that this year because I knew that the majority of the year I'd be spending time training where I'm not in a place to be hitting all time numbers. So you almost need to think, okay, yes, you still want to maintain and progress where possible, but ultimately your job is to stimulate muscle to keep it on your frame not to just focus on beating the logbook because it's just not going to be realistic for you. I think a lot of the time as well, once you've lost such a large percent of your body mass, maybe like 10, 15%, there's going to be some correlation in that to like a performance drop off in the gym. Like, you know, you're not like even a, even a small percentage of that is going to be muscles and like, you know, so mass pretty much will help obviously move mass. So if you do lose a little bit, you're probably going to lose a little bit on certain lifts as well. Not saying that that should be, obviously, you know, just be like, oh, you know, I should lose like a bunch of the lifts. But obviously, you know, if you Mm -hmm. are in a prolonged dieting phase in prep, chances are 90% of the time you're going to lose some lifts here and there, especially on the big compounds like pressing and stuff like Lawrence mentioned. Yeah. And I found a similar thing as you, Lawrence, like in because I've lost almost seven kilos now in, in five weeks and I would even say that the first like three or four kilos was actually harder to retain my pressing strength than now. Like now it's a bit easier to maintain, but I did have to reduce load a little bit in that beginning phase. It was like, I just couldn't, couldn't get the reps in whatsoever. Yeah. Do you think that is like true skeletal muscle loss is actually occurring during prep? Like assuming, because I mean, it almost doesn't make sense why it would. 
and like i know I've, I've heard people go back and forth about this where it's like you know you maybe you're 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 losing like muscle glycogen and water within the muscle so yes you're losing lean body mass but i do question like yes you're in a prolonged deficit but you're also still eating more than sufficient protein weight training several times a week at a high intensity like based on how little volume you can maintain muscle mass on I, I struggle to believe that if someone is doing things in the right way and not over dieting that they're actual losing tissue hmm. i think I if you're ticketing yeah hmm. sorry oh i was yeah i agree like i think i think it is harder than people think to lose muscle but i think often we do see people do idiotic things though in prep like they lose weight far too quickly or especially towards the end of prep, they'll lose too quickly. Or maybe they will like turn their training upside down and start doing like plyometrics in, in prep, et cetera. So um, yeah, because I know in at, towards the end, and interestingly, like I showed AJ um, some, some ca comparisons from my previous prep, like 78 versus 76 kilos. And like he was, he was honest. This was like between my first show at nationals. And he was like, Jack, you literally didn't lose any fat. <laughs> you just lost muscle in those final two kilos. And and I, I agree with him. Um, but that also ties in with um, needing more muscle overall and, and having more muscle density and stuff. But do you think you just lost fullness or do you think you lost actual muscle tissue? Yeah, good question. I, I think it could have been either or, to be honest. Like it, because like once you're that lean, like I didn't have much fullness to lose, if that makes sense. Like where would the fullness have come from? Mm. It, it has to be, it has to become muscle at some point. Did you feel like you looked worse in the second picture? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But because I mean, yes, you've got the weight difference, but it, it's also very difficult to say for sure that that mm. two kilos is two kilos of muscle. Like if you think about how hard That's it is to put on yeah. two kilos of muscle. Yeah, like, I don't think it was objectively, yeah, two kilos of muscle. That's highly unlikely, but it, there probably was a little bit of muscle loss in there, but the majority of it would have been some sort of fullness, maybe glycogen or something else. Thing is, when you're that lean as well, though, so many little things can add up, like, you know, hydration, like maybe you might have tried a little bit of like a different peak strategy or something like that. So like, like what Lawrence is saying, I don't think it was straight two kilos, but like on the back end, like, you know, two weeks can actually have a drastic change in terms of look especially when she like carbohydrates like you know hydration bad sleep you know something along the lines of that maybe a different peaking strategy yeah mm. yeah that's something i i definitely want to nail this uh in 2024 is is the peak because yeah i've i've never kind of been on a show day and be like okay like skin is splitting from from the pump and that sort of stuff maybe i'm imagining something that's unachievable in prep for natty <laughs> when you sit there and you're actually happy with it you're like wow i yeah. look crisp on show day like you know let me sit there all these worries are going through your head am i lean enough you know am joey I always asks that though like joey joey always asks like i saw him asking like all of his athletes like all of his boys and bodybuilders backstage and he would always ask me like do you feel pumped like mm -hmm. do you feel full like do the muscles feel pumped and i think yeah i think there is a certain element of that internal feel but I don't know, maybe if I was self-coaching, I'd be like, nah, still flat. Yeah. More, more jelly beans, more snakes. More maple syrup. Yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely a good question. Like, you know, 
you can see like hydration, sodium, he might be able to make some changes. But that being said, I also feel like anyone after a decent little carb up on the back end, if you're truly lean, your pump's going to be quite good. I think it could also be a little bit psychological as well. Like, yeah, you know, sure. you don't want to be sitting backstage and be like, man, you don't look that pumped. It's like, you want to kind of hype them up. You're like, man, you're looking fucking pumped as hell. It's like, you know, like, yeah, you know what? Fucking oath I am. You like gives that like level of confidence. Speaking of plyometrics, though, I saw Lawrence doing these very interesting exercises today at the gym. These fully lengthened position. He was pretty much laying back like he was in a on a bed when he was doing like leg extensions. Are you gonna go into a little bit more detail? He's, he's been not watching, He's been listening to too much of this uh revived oh. stronger with the uh, lengthened positions. You should have seen him. He was full <laughs> snooze. <laughs> it's because my glutes were asleep. Dy. Yeah, exactly. had to wake him up no my, milo wolf is he's living rent free right up there no i've just been playing around with a bit of it because i was like you know what there's two opportunities like in both my legs days i've got a, a seated leg curl and a leg machine leg extension in both and i was like why don't i just play around with like some to quote mike israel like some super rom versions of these so i played around with like a a leg extension today where I put the backrest as far back as it could put the sort of leg or ankle part as far down as it could and just tried to essentially get as much knee flexion whilst also trying to keep my hips fairly neutral so I could also stretch like my rectus femoris as far as possible and they felt great you know used a lighter load my I just I also felt really good after them like it just was almost like a nice stretch as well and then I tried to do like, I don't know if you've seen Alberto Nunez do his seated leg curls where he really sort of exaggerates that um, that stretch at the hip. I tried a few of those and they felt good. And I feel like, you know, DY and I spoke about it today at the gym where it's like, and I've made this point before when talking about tempo and, and extreme ranges of motion where it's like, well, what are you trading off in mechanical tension when you're moving into that range? And I, I get that point, but I think that it's, it's, what I'm starting to realize more is it's like, well, you can also do both. Like, you know, I've that session, I've done sets of 10 to 12 on like a single leg, leg press. I've done um, sets of seven to nine on an RDL. So it's like, I've, I've clearly gained mechanical tension stimulus in that session. And I will in my other leg session. So why not throw in a bit of this stuff? Because I think that the research on training at long muscle lengths is looking very, very promising and it's certainly not looking like there's a downside and if anything, probably a, a small upside. And it's really interesting. They talk about like the distal hypertrophy. And in that episode that I listened to with Mike and Dr. Pack and Milo Wolf, Mike made a really good point where it's like, if training at these long muscle lengths is good for distal hypertrophy, that's sort of exactly what you want as a bodybuilder. Because if you were trying to grow really big sweeping quads you would want the distal part of the quad to hypertrophy. You wouldn't want it all just stacked up close to the hip. You want it big, close to the knee. And there's that goes with a lot of, of different body parts. So I think I think there's something to it. Yeah, I 100% agree. After like listening to all the podcasts and like, you know, the research that's coming out, definitely does make sense to, you know, like definitely challenge yourself in those longer muscle lengths. But all that's going through Lawrence's head is stretch-mediated hypertrophy before he's going to bed. He wakes up in a sweat. He, oh, was that stretched enough? back to bed i just want a big like full body orthosis that i can just sit in for hours a day so if you see some new exercises at powerhouse gym that lawrence is performing don't question it just mm. just look away Backed by science exactly so this next question is your favorite classic pose 
given that I know you guys are classic physique enthusiasts, it's a great question for you both. Yeah, I do like like the stomach vacuum. I guess it's like the C bum pose. I I think is like really revolutionized it. Um, whereas like the where the one bicep's got the uh like you're flexing one bicep with a stomach vacuum. I think that looks really good. Or like a front double with a stomach vacuum, probably my favorite one. Yeah, I like that one as well. I think I like I like the the victory pose as well. I think that's quite a cool one. And I, I quite I know Jack and I, I think we've spoken about this before when we're at IFBB watching the classic routines when like guys go down onto like sort of this half kneeling position where they're like mm-hmm. close down to the ground, one knee is flexed and then the other one is fully extended out and they hit like yeah. a, a front double bicep in that position. I think that's quite cool. I just don't have any any flexibility. I need to start putting together a bit of a posing routine. So I need to start thinking about this stuff. Yeah, I was trying some of that stuff on the ground the other day and it, it it's very hard. I can attest to that. Like the kneeling stuff isn't too bad, but as soon as you like have to get one leg out to the side and like that split squat stance, yeah, it's, it's tough. But for me, I would probably go with like the Mantis, like that fairly classic Arnold pose, I think that he made famous. The other one that I saw Ryan do was like the stomach vacuum from the front um, on the weekend, where it's just like super symmetrical, mm-hmm. really good. Like, like the abs and thigh one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, the stomach vacuum, like abs and thighs look really nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, the classic physique on the weekend was was very impressive. Uh, it was probably, it was probably, uh, to be honest, like it was a bit more impressive than the bodybuilding only because there was more numbers in the classic physique. Like there were two, two full classes. And I would say it was probably it was probably closer as well, the call. It was very, very close between Ryan and and the bloke who won in, in open class two. Um and then in open class one, uh Jay won, which um yeah, it was a surprise to see to see him there, but he looked awesome. Yeah, it was super surprising. I was like watching the live stream, I was like, wait, is that is that Jay? I was mm. like, and it turns out it was. I was like, holy crap. But yeah. Very is, impressive is he- short prep. Has he got three pro cards now, like fitness, physique, and classic? Or I think he's got two. I think it's classic, physique, and then he's also got physique as well. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So a bodybuilding pro card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll be his next prep, maybe. So moving on to the next one. Uh, are the trend twins giving a bad name to bodybuilding? Or are they just making fun content for bodybuilding? So I don't think any of us are particularly well-versed in the trend twins. Yeah, I think it's just more like fun content. But that being said, it's like, I wouldn't really say they're bodybuilders either. Like, like when I see them, I see them more like, you know, just a casual gym goer. Like, you know, they train like bodybuilders, but I wouldn't say they're actual bodybuilders. I don't, I don't know if they've done a comp or not. So have they? No, I don't think so. I don't, uh, I, again, I don't follow them. I don't watch their YouTube. So their their style of content is is really, maybe when I was like, 17 still like i would watch that sort of stuff potentially but it's a bit outside my no offense if anyone watches them but yeah a bit immature for me i think i think it's more of like in like a fit influencer kind of style to their approach it's not realistically a bodybuilding approach like you know like if i also watch a bodybuilder it'd be like you know nick walker or something like that and i think like those guys you know give a good indication of what it takes to be at that level where I think these guys are more just like, you know, chatting shit, having fun, like training, you know, um, mm. and they just found some good whey protein. Yeah. I, I don't really like that. They are normalizing trend though, because 
like us, we know that train is quite a harsh drug, but there are of course so many teenagers out there who see because train is everywhere these days on on reels and on YouTube. Yeah. And I think it is quite worrying that some kids like really are just thinking, oh, train, it's just a supplement. Like it doesn't have any negative side effects because everyone's using it. I think it's also probably one of the more harsher pharmaceuticals as well with like a lot more side effects than the Mm. normal ones, like especially even at low doses and it doesn't respond well to multiple people. So it's like you start, you know, if that's the first thing that you're pretty much diving into, if you decide to go that route, it's probably not the best way to go. Um, And I think probably 99% of enhanced coaches could probably attest to that. I don't know what coach you got if you blast and train on the first first run. But yeah. On a um, completely unrelated topic, uh, DY and I, when we were at the travel agent the other day, we just were browsing to see what the connecting flights were like to Mexico after the <laughs> Seattle show. And just a nice time of year, some good gyms down there. But um, yeah. Over the counter. Just couldn't, just couldn't make it work. Just couldn't make yeah. the, the, the logistics work out. So you went see. to the Gold Coast instead or something? Yeah, you would come and find into the Gold Coast instead of Brisbane. Easy yeah. as. Watching too many Beetlejuice memes over in Mexico. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Oh, dude. Beetlejuice, he's back, mate. You can't keep him down. He was killing it a couple of years ago, and now he's back. He's so we'll back. answer this in, in memory of, of DC. So if someone really wants to know what's in DC's fanny pack, I think we'll have to guess what's in there. I think there's got to be some tablets of some sort in there. Probably salt tablets, I would say, or a salt shaker. Well, I think it's safe to say they're un- unknown tablets until we decide what they are. A hundred percent. Round circular objects. Yeah. Mm. Water approved though. Yeah. You would hope so. Yeah. 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 Maybe some uh some nodos tablets, just munching on those, keep those keep him running all day. Have you, I've never had nodos. Isn't that uh, maybe this is an old wives' tale, but is there caffeine in there? No, oh, sorry. <laughs> of course there's caffeine. I meant to say nicotine. No, there's not. No. Oh, okay. I've had them before. I, I used to use it as pre-workout back in the uni days. What's yeah. the milligrams of caffeine per no-dose? It's usually 100, yeah. Yeah. I remember like looking at them like, for like maybe trying one for like a pre-workout because um, I was at a chemist and I didn't have, <laughs> didn't have anything else. I wasn't going to buy a full tub of pre-workout. And then I like, looked and there weren't even that much caffeine in it. Like, you know, if you take pre-workout, like 100 milligrams, is, you need to smack three of those things. Yeah, plus like you don't get quite as much of a placebo effect because it's literally just like a small white pill. You just you just swallow it and because of the flavor and like the beta alanine tingles from pre, pre-workout powder, like you do get a much more significant, I guess, psychological buzz from pre-workout. Mm. Plus, of yeah. course, all the other stuff that is in pre-workout, if it's a decent pre. On the but, blood, Lawrence. What else is in that satchel? Well, I mean, judging by the state of his hand, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That hand was fairly, uh, fairly browned. So, <laughs> I don't know if he's got some melted Cadbury in there, or yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe a, uh, a spare pair of glasses. Mm. Yeah, in case one breaks. Baby oil as well, I would think. Yeah, and then, and then there's like another one for the competitors. <laughs> yes. That's just yeah. his private stash, so he can yeah. keep oiling up those arms all day. Yeah, mm. got to definitely have some sort of oil in there, some sort of lubricant to keep keep the athletes polished. A thesaurus, yeah, <laughs> just in case um him and BK are really neck and neck. 
Mm, if they're yeah. a verbal jousting and DC needs to try pull a, a big word out of there. <laughs> a spare pair of trunks as well if his client wins the overall bodybuilding. Needs to jump up on stage with them. To humble them <laughs> immediately. <laughs> well, who knows? They might be guest posing. Like he's already ready for that guest posing. Do they do any natty guest poses? Never I've seen, seen one. Yeah. Or the uh, one in that Jack Thorburn did or? No, no, in Australia, ICN. Right. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, Um, I'm pretty sure it was at the 2018 ICN Tropics in Townsville. I'm pretty sure Sean Fitzsimmons guest posed. Right. Oh, true. In off-season condition, or no? Nah, he was prepping, but he was—he's right. uh, an ICN pro, so I think he was getting ready for the pro show. That was—it um, would have been at the Gold Coast that year with the Worlds, so he would have been like I don't know, a few weeks out type thing. He was still in, in pretty good shape. Okay, I think we're on to the the home stretch in terms of questions here. So we got asked like top three natural Aussie bodybuilders. I think we've covered this a couple times, but. I reckon let's do a bit of a tangent question and say like what three bodybuilders in Australia haven't have inspired us the most or three physique athletes in general or not necessarily overall but maybe in like a certain aspect of our journey um and I'm I'm happy to kick this off so you guys can have a think so I would say in no particular order like Alan Mao for him being my previous coach and uh for uh, like for those that don't know the story, like I used to train at uh, UQ gym where I studied and Alan used to train there quite a lot. And he prepped um, a couple of other guys at the same gym, like Garrick Sankey being one of them. And I just got to know Alan that way. And that was back in like 2015, 2016. And then I did my first prep in, in 2018, um, which was yeah awesome to have him along for that. And then I think, yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if one of you say BK, but yeah, Brandon would have to be up there just because I think ever since I got into the scene, like he's always been an aspirational figure in terms of like not just his his like prowess in the prowess in the bodybuilding scene, but also um, his uh, the way he goes about coaching. Like he is a an, an amazing coach, so uh, you can look up to him in in both aspects. And person number three. Honestly, like this is the example of like a specific point in time would actually probably have to be um, Joey's client, Ryan, from this season. Like he, I think he just looked incredible for classic and with me aspiring to do classic next year. Um, yes, certain looking, certainly looking at him as like a, a goalpost to aim for and to to be competitive up against, especially if he'll be competing again, um, maybe next year, season B. Mm. For my three, I'd probably have to go. I think one that's quite, quite well-known is Nathan Wallace. I think he's probably one of the more accomplished uh, natural bodybuilders, definitely out of Australia. Plus, he pretty much, like, you know, ran the Hold Your Own gym, raised pretty much some of, like, the best bodybuilders out of Australia. Like, you know, you had, like, Brandon Kempter. You had, like, Zach Polos as well. So he's definitely raised some really good talents out there. Even, like, Liam as well, extremely young bodybuilder, really, really um, did well, especially in, like, the world shows, cracked multiple pro cards, Natty. Um, so I reckon Nathan probably has to be one of them. Like what you mentioned, Jack as well, though, like um, BK, like he's also worked alongside Nathan. He's terrific coach in terms of always has his clients looking sharp. Uh, he's also very accomplished in, himself as well. Another one that I think that's a little bit recent, which we haven't actually talked on the uh, podcast about is uh, 
um, Tom McAmara, like, you know, mm. um, taking the natural, well, as a natural athlete, winning the IFBB pro sh- uh, IFBB show and winning his pro card for men's physique, which is something that like, you know, you don't really see very often. Like it's very, very hard to achieve a pro card one and then to do it in an enhanced federation is another thing as well so which is something that's like extremely hard to do and to be honest i've actually never seen another men's physique athlete um actually crack one naturally i've seen some classic physique uh athletes and even open bodybuilders maybe like classic physique when you can play with your insertions a little bit more and like you know a lot more about like posing um and you know they don't want that like crazy big size but yeah not for men's physique so i was one that really uh you know looks solid yeah, I think BK is a no-brainer. You know, you could make an argument that he's the the best natural bodybuilder in Australia and has been for some time now. I think as far as like people I've looked up to, um, Damo Forrest stands out to me. I think not only as a bodybuilder because he's got an excellent physique, but also just like a, you know, a human that I want to try emulate. You know, he's um, a successful you know, owner of his coaching business, he's got a family and, you know, that's all stuff that I aspire to. And and I really respect someone who's able to, you know, wear multiple hats and still balance everything. Like you could even include Cheza in that as well. Like, you know, he's got a family and he's still getting the job done and, and stuff like that. And yeah, I think as far as like overall influence, like definitely, especially when I was still like a teenager competing, for sure looked up to those guys that had done really well as teens and juniors in Australia. So, you know, even people like Carlton Loth, Liam Bygot, like you mentioned, DY, Zach Poulos, like a lot of those Holodrome boys when they were just dominating and being so young, like it was, it was super impressive. And then, and then I'd, I'd be remiss to not mention Joey as well, just because he's been so influential to me and in, in my journey and yeah, has taught me just so much over the years, but yeah, those are probably a couple that stand out. Yeah, epic. Quite a kind of comprehensive list overall. And I think that pretty much wraps up today's episode. So we'll be interesting to see who who joins us for episode 53. We'll have to get quite a few interviews in. So I hope you have the week off work, Lawrence. I've taken it off, don't worry. Mm, very nice. Great. Well, again, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We greatly appreciate it. And we'll see you everyone next week for episode number 53.